Welcome to our unprofessional and semi-humorous, semi-educational podcast, where we switch off telling each other something new and interesting each week. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Meredith. Welcome to Keep It Curious, a podcast where a pair of perpetually perturbed pals placate our perturbation by prattling on about our probings and the purposeless ponderings. So, uh, what's, uh, what are you drinking this week, Kels? Um, Ross and I have been trying to have more Swiss beers now that we have moved to Switzerland. So we picked up something called Tingle and Tangle beer. <laughs> I love that name. It's a real cute name. They have adorable branding, which is obviously why I picked this beer. Oh, um, obviously. Obviously. But it's a, it's a pale ale. It's pretty good. Ooh. We picked up a couple Swiss varieties during my last stop at the, the main station. Hell yeah. I mean, it might be literally 930 in the morning for me, but I am having what I was not intended to be, but now tastes somewhat like a Shirley Temple. So yeah, I was doing a a gin and tonic and then I added in this pomegranate uh, cordial and yum. It literally tastes like a Shirley Temple that I would get at a restaurant as a child, except with alcohol. So I was just thinking about friendlies when you said Shirley Temple. I used to like to go and get like the kids mac and cheese in a Shirley Temple. Oh dude, I could not, honestly, I've, I know there's a big thing about friendlies, but I went to a friendlies one time and was so horrified by what they did to my milkshake. I've never gone back <laughs> and it's weird, but they put like carbonated something in my milkshake and it was disgusting. Like an ice Ew. cream milkshake, not like Italian soda or was it what Sicilian soda? Like, don't get me wrong. I love Sicilian soda. There's something wrong with necessarily like milk and carbonation. Cause I like milk in almost everything, but there is something about the creamy ice creaminess with weird pops in your, I, I just, it's I did pretty not, gross. Yeah. I did not enjoy it. Next time you're in the States, we'll take my nieces to go get friendly so that we can figure out a way to order off of the kids menu. Oh. And I will change your mind about friendlies. Okay. I look forward to it because let's be real. There's a lot of restaurants I can no longer eat at because they're Trump supporters. And while we're not getting into all of the politics and and whatnot, it's, uh, I'm still trying to do my part, you know, educate myself where I can. I haven't looked into Friendly's political affiliation, so we might need to check that before I try to change your mind. Fair enough. I mean, I don't think that was one of the like top ones on the list, but you know what? It's probably not one of the top restaurants that everybody's wondering about anyways. So no, I mean, it's honestly pretty crappy. Like it's one of those, it's <laughs> like, it's, it's crap. It's good. You know, don't get me wrong. Like I love like crappy fast food. Like I, there are so many times when I would rather have a burger from McDonald's than I would from my own house which is sad, but you know what? Okay. Let's be real. It's not McDonald's. It's checkers slash rallies, which is just in my opinion, the best place out there. Oh, we didn't have that when I was growing up. It's delicious. I don't know. Good fries, good burgers. Anyways, oh, super tangent. Oh, oh, can we just tangent on this for one second longer though? Cause now I'm craving Arby's curly fries. <laughs> See, that's another one I don't get. I've been to Arby's no? once. Don't get me wrong. Like I, the first time Arby's opened in my town, like it was a big deal when we got a new fast food joint and it was Arby's. And we were like, wait, is this whole place about roast beef? Yeah, and it is. I just, it weirded us out a little. I don't know what we were expecting, but like, like who thought of that? Like, don't get me wrong. I don't know why we decided that burgers and chicken are like a pretty common fast food source, but like, it was strange. They also had a great like orange sickle milkshake though at Arby's. <gasps> yeah. I don't, I don't know if they still have it or not. I haven't been in a while. What with me being vegetarian now, but. I mean, how much meat do you really think is in an orange creamsicle milkshake? Zero <laughs> percent. I hope. I hope. You know what? <laughs> I, just, I was surprised at friendlies. <laughs> I just usually don't bother going. Hmm. But, you know, it is good to know that you could still have orange creamsicles and curly fries if you so chose. <gasps> All right. So uh, what are we talking about today? What do you what do you what do you got for me? All right. Our journey today will take us to the 19th century. Oh, we 
are going to Australia. Oh, to my cover- God. Oh, uh-oh. Did we cover the same thing? Please tell me we didn't. No, we didn't. It's just really funny because I was going to do something on New Zealand. And at the last second, I changed my mind because it was, like, <laughs> way too depressing. Um, if anybody hasn't looked up uh, the intriguing life of flightless birds, you should, because that is what I was going to talk about, like all of the flightless Ooh. birds in New Zealand. But then I was like, oh, but you know what? No one really wants to hear about how humans ruined another thing in the world. You know, oh, they're all, yeah. half of them are extinct now explicitly due to human, like, hunting and taking over their space and it's it's not like there was any like oh and then the world no it's like humans came and killed them all i was like oh this is not fun anymore we suck (laughs) so okay go go ahead with your australia (laughs) all right so we're we're doing ghost hoaxes of 19th century australia today (gasps) wait ghost hoaxes it's gonna get weird it's gonna get a little dark it's gonna be a weird crossroads of like kind of funny because it's weird but also like highly inappropriate and a little bit depressing at times so sounds about up my alley so let's do it all right that that was a weird like warble in my throat (laughs) 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 okay So before we get started, I want to say that I got a majority of my information from a single source. Uh, Most of it came from a lecturer, Dr. David Waldron. Um, So the vast majority of it is going to come from his research and articles that he's written or articles that were written about him and his research. Okay. So, um, and all of that will be posted on the website, but just to to preface it, most of it is, is his specialty. I'm just throwing it back to you. Throwing it back to you. Throwing it back. Um, so ghost hoaxes of the late 19th to early 20th century. Um, so the research is going to cover about 1870 to the start of World War I in 1914. Um, and most of this is going to center on the city of Ballarat in Victoria, Australia. Um, for people who are not up on their Australian geography, such as myself, the closest large city that most people would have heard of is Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Melbourne, Melbourne, Melbourne. The number of times I haven't looked up how to pronounce something. Woof. Sorry, yeah. Australia. Sorry. So to give some context to the era, um, this was around the same time as the rise of spiritualism. Um, spiritualism is a religious movement that included the beliefs that spirits of those who have died continue on to a spirit world where spirits continue to evolve. Um, They're able to communicate with the living and are able to share knowledge on moral and ethical conundrums, as well as share information on the nature of God. (laughs) I'm really excited that we're talking about this because I have so far tried to avoid talking about anything ghostly or true crimey, seeing as so, so many of the podcasts that I personally listen to cover this. But also, I'm so excited that we're finally covering something in that category. So excited! Like, and this is gonna be like a, a tangent to that because it, um, uh, like it, it sets the context of the era more so than the actual story, I would say. But yeah, so people a lot of times I think when you talk about spirituals and people think of like seances and stuff from this time, um, Houdini and the likes. That is exactly what I thought of. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and for those who don't know, Houdini spent a lot of his life trying to disprove and discredit. Uh, mediums of that time. Oh, if you haven't heard the episode from And That's Why We Drink about this, uh, go listen to it right now. It's one of our favorite podcasts. It's like the main inspirations for us starting our podcast because we love them so much and have tried to go to every show and can't go see them live together anymore. But, but yeah, uh, one of the hosts said like a, it was almost like a three-part series because it was just this like crazy connecting story so yeah if you're if you're into spiritualism and want to hear more background on it i would say go go check them out heck yeah um let's see let's see so this was a time when science and spiritual spiritualism was (laughs) really um they were really clashing people kind of took very strong stances on if they were coming at things from a scientific approach or a spiritualist approach 
Um, they were groups that went through great effort to debunk mediums, as I previously mentioned, um, and also debunking the appearance of spirits or other aspects of spirit spiritualist beliefs. Um, <laughs> interesting kind of tidbit side note here. The spiritualist movement actually began in upstate New York, um, not far from where I actually grew up, and I didn't oh, know that. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I kind of want to cover like the start of spiritualism now because it's almost like a, not my hometown, but it's, you know, close. It's in the radius. And you know, I want to hear that. So, and you know, so I want to. I mean, literally, it, even doing my research today, I found like 17 different subjects. Not today, I mean, but I found like 17 different like offshoots. And I'm like, every single one of these could be an episode. And I can't do them all one after the other because they are two related but oh my god I got like seven new ideas from the articles I was reading and it was so exciting good I love when that happens uh, but yeah so that was just a little bit of background to give it a little bit more historical context and depth to kind of see where people were where their heads were at during this time um, ghosts and hauntings had been a popular subject matter in Ballarat and the surrounding area for a really long time, um, going back to Australia gold rush that happened between 1851 and the late 1860s. But during their gold rush, it was a really popular form of entertainment to kind of sit around and talk about ghost stories. And it was also a regular... <laughs> like today. Nothing's changed. <laughs> nope. Um, <laughs> Um, and it was also a regular topic that the press covered during that time. What? Oh my God. I would love, I mean, granted, I don't, you know, subscribe to any newspapers or anything, but like, if I did, if I got like regular ghost stories in the newspaper, I would love that. So kind of tying into that, the press stories, this was also a time when print media and literacy amongst all classes was on the rise. So, uh, even like that, the lower class that uh, during this time traditionally would not really be able to read well, um, they were also able to read. So it was making that the spread of stories more possible as well as um, it was kind of setting the scene for press to feel the need to kind of make things more exciting to get more readers. Um, so also part of the historical context of this, um, during this time, there were a lot of immigrants that made their way to Australia specifically for the gold rush. Um, and with them, they obviously brought a lot of their, their local lore and their culture and their superstitions. Uh, and this also is what partly attributed to the rise of ghost stories during this time. Ooh. Uh, mixing yeah. of cultures, you mean? Yeah, mixing of cultures and like so many people were coming from different places. Um, one of the notes that I actually read was that um, studies showed during this time period that cultural folklores were used as a way to kind of maintain community identity and cohesion during a period uh -huh. of extreme social community change. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so um, it helped to maintain a, a link to your homeland through the cultural beliefs and what the cultural beliefs were regarding like death in the afterlife. And that was a way that people kind of grounded themselves in the community that they had there in their their homeland community maintaining yeah. that, that cultural identity. Yeah. That makes sense. <clears throat> um, yeah, it does. So I had never really thought about it that way, but it, it, it was cool to read that and be like, wow, that totally makes all of the sense. Honestly, like it's one of those weird things that growing up, you know, I, I always noticed that like, I didn't have any particularly cultural upbringing and it's something I, I really do feel like I missed out on, but also my dad was explicitly like raised to reject his culture so that he could in a more, I want to say a more racist time, obviously <laughs> race is still an issue today, but in a time where he was living and people didn't believe that, you know, Mexicans could uh, progress and success in life without being effectively gentrified. Um, he was like not allowed to speak Spanish outside of the house and all of the like regular cultural things that they might have practiced were sort of shunned, especially outside again of the house. So we didn't get any of that cultural upbringing that I think would have been so great. Like my aunt passed away before we ever got to learn how to make tamales. And I just had like the family recipe, you know, just. Yeah. That's so sad to think that like you guys missed out on that because white supremacy yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I look white as hell. I've definitely got my own 
understanding of white privilege, but it's definitely like, I would have loved to grown up to grow up in like a world where I felt like I was part of a culture and like had some connection. Cultural variety is such a beautiful thing. It would be nice if you or someone who had uh, you know, her hereditary connection to it to be able to yeah. have enjoyed that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Alrighty. Where was I in my notes? <laughs> I got it. It was such a long tangent. <laughs> But it was a good tangent. I like that tangent. Okay, I learned good. things about you. I like I like when our tangents result in new information. Oh yeah, one day I'll show you my twenty three and Me uh, breakdown because it's really fun, and that's that's how I figured out that I had so much Ashkenazi Jew, like in. My- I want to do mine so bad, dude. Okay, just wait until Thanksgiving or Black Friday, which are somewhat coming up, and they have mad deals on them. Like, you know, family-oriented sorts of holidays. They'll have really good deals because they're like, don't you want to know more about your family when you're about to go home for family time? Yes, yes, I do. Exactly. So early on in its colonial history, Ballarat was considered a haunted city. Um, So spiritualism became very popular here with that background of all these different cultures and it being considered a haunted city. So spiritualism had a a good place to stick its foot and grow a few feet um that was dumb oh, i loved it i loved it <laughs> stick its foot and grow a few feet i'm just i'm picturing like a little buried severed foot with like little tree roots and like a sapling coming out of the top just well, that's what you were thinking of because that's what i was thinking of oh my god <laughs> Yeah, it grew like a person, but then I was like, no, it grew like a plant. So it kind of melded yeah. into into that. All right. I'm glad we all got there. I hope you all joined us on that journey. <laughs> if not, buckle up. We're going to have more. <laughs> so there were a bunch of like high profile lectures during this time that argued for um, for ghosts and for the importance, at least of a connection Um, between ghost stories to heritage and maintaining the human sense of magic and the sense of the sublime. Along with spiritualism and all this background, the fact that ghosts were very in vogue. um, Vogue. They they were. It was a a vogue thing to be into ghosts. Um, But with all of that kind of context, we can dive into the ghost hoax. The the basic gist of ghost hoaxes. um, So basically, people would dress up in costumes um, ranging in imagination and detail, and they would jump out at people on the street. Wait, oh my God, <laughs> that's not where I thought you were going with this. But this was like a full blown like epidemic. Oh my God, like the clown epidemic right before it yes. came out. Yes, it's like the clown thing that happened a while ago. Ugh, gross. But it's the the nineteenth century version. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's real weird. People, people are so strange to me. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter about era. People are just fucking weird. Um, so in some cases, people did use this as kind of a way to, to spring violence on others and assault oh. people. So there'd be some, some darker stories involved in this, I guess, just, just warning. Um, some of this will get a little violent coming up. Um, Some of it was also just people being, you know, weird. Um, But in the less aggressive cases, people would, they would yell, maybe throw stuff. Um, Some of them would get like lighting effects involved and just like the crap out of people. So extra. I love it. So extra. Some of these are just like beyond. Um, So it got to a point of being so common that like vigilantes and police would actually go out proactively to try to look for people dressed up as ghosts, planning to wreak havoc on the general populace. And by that, you mean people in white sheets, people who've put on zombie makeup? Like, what are we? Get into it. Okay, cool. I was like, how do you know that people are dressed up as ghosts? Because ghosts can look like anyone. Bear in mind, this was the 1800s, so like, I don't think anyone was looking particularly convincing. Okay, I see your point. I see your point. I uh, I haven't practiced 18th century hoaxing myself, so. No. (laughs) Unless I did in a past life. Who knows? I don't know. Could be. Could be. Um, 
so yeah, I'll get into some of the costumes and stuff, the specifics in a little bit, but just to kind of give you the upfront overview. Um, so despite these pranks um, typically being associated with the working class, um, interestingly enough, the people dressed as ghosts were often found to be people in like very high respected places of the community. Um, <laughs> so your mayor is like trying to scare the shit out of you. <laughs> I mean, there's there's some we'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But there's some interesting people who chose to decide to take part in this. And while we're talking about the patriarchy, on more than one occasion, um, there were gasp women dressed up as ghosts. <gasps> In the 18th century, women had thoughts. Huh? I don't understand. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, so one of the stories, this one is a, a particular favorite of mine. Um, there was a man who would go by the title of Wizard Bombardier. Oh my God, say it again. Wizard Bombardier. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> name was just so extra. Wait, was he one of the ones with the lighting effects? Because he sounds like it. Um, no, I don't think he had any lighting effects. He would do, <gasps> wow. is he, I know, his name doesn't quite live up to his outfit, but we'll let it go. It's fine, um, it's like 18th century. But he would dress in like white robes and a sugar loaf hat. What the fuck is a sugar loaf hat? Okay, so I looked up a picture of this. Um, this is probably a slightly obscure reference, but you know that like there's that wine drink that people make around the holidays, um, oh where you god. make a sugar loaf and light it on fire. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh my god, so good! You made that once, and I will never forget it. I, oh, oh, Ross and I were talking about making that the other day, but we didn't have any like the spices to spice the wine. <gasps> better get them and it's also summer but <laughs> um still delicious i'm still drinking hot tea so you can definitely drink sure. hot spiced wine <sighs> with rum <laughs> i agree i agree but basically like picture the sugar loaf cone oh and then put a brim on it so like a wizard's hat it's kind of like a wizard's hat meets a, Which is a hat? cowboy hat oh or like a yeah, it's dunce cap. Kind of, yeah. It's got like the top of it is curved, like it's not a pointy hat. It's just Weird. like a very tall space for your head. Ew! Don't love it. It's um, peculiar. Don't love it. Okay. All right. Well, that's again. I don't know why a ghost would be wearing that, but okay, we'll go with it. it well, who knows? Who knows? Um, so he'd wear that and he would jump out and scare people with eerie screaming <laughs> and calling. Oh <laughs> and good. would then proceed to throw rocks or other material missiles before fleeing <gasps> the scene. What the fuck? This is a grown ass man. It's a grown ass man who just like jumping out, screaming at people and like maybe throwing stuff. Oh my God. That is so honestly like. In this day and age, if somebody was to do that, they would probably end up at a psych ward. We'll get into it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So the other thing in the costumes that was kind of a, a common occurrence was the use of phosphorescent paint. Um, this was a, a new technology at the time, actually, which is kind of cool. Oh, so not everyone even knew about it. Yeah, so it was like it was a very new thing that there was a paint that glowed in the dark. So it was super cool. And people who were into doing this ghost hoaxing were like, yes. I bet it was like really expensive back then. Like maybe that's why only wealthy people were doing it. Like, yeah, that's a good wealthy. point. Yeah, like how, for a brand new invention that's so unique and strange. And, you know, I want to use phosphorescent paint. What can I use this for? People have been ghost hoaxing. Maybe I'll try that. Oh my God, I love it. But yes, so it was a new technology. Um, some ghosts would even like soak their sheets, like the white sheets that they would throw over themselves uh, in the phosphorescent paint. So they would be walking around in a glowing green sheet. Oh my God, I love it. Very Scooby-Doo. Oh my God, right? Yes. 
That's what I was thinking. And there were also some more elaborate uses of the paint. People would paint like their arms and their faces. Um, There was a guy who would go and paint skull and crossbones all across town. Um, Or like in the neighborhood that he haunted, I suppose. Um, Sounds like a rave. (laughs) Right. And he would kind of use that as the like warning. And then he would jump out and scare people in that area. So he kind of like, he would tag basically. Oh, wow. Modern day yeah. or a- a- old timey. Uh, <laughs> old timey tagging. Yeah. <laughs> old timey tagging. <laughs> so there was another man who dressed as a knight and painted the words, prepare to meet thy doom with a phosphorescent paint across his breastplate and then threatened to behead young boys. Oh, don't love that. But also, assuming he didn't really do it, that's pretty funny. (laughs) I don't think he beheaded anyone. I think he just scared people. Uh, And then another common thing people would do with this paint was just like painting props. Um, People would take like the lids of coffins and strap them to their backs and like paint them in phosphorescent paint. What a weird time. Weird, weird time. Um... Now we're going to get a little dark because there's a, a, an unfortunate twist with this paint. Uh, people didn't know yet, but it's super, super toxic and could lead to growth on the body and cancerous tumors. A quote from Dr. Waldron, who I got most of my research from, uh, he said, I find there's a certain irony of these people enacting becoming symbols of death with something that was going to kill them. So some more kind of weird stories about these, these ghost hoaxers. Um, some individuals, like I said, kind of use this as a way to hide their identity while committing more violent acts, um, such as, unfortunately, sexual assault. Um, yeah, we'll get into... I think I have more details on one of those stories. I did these notes a little while ago, so I can't remember if I ended up with one that gets too much into that or not. But... Um, th- I think that that will come up again. Fair warning. Yeah. Uh, Just hate to know that I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also robbery and flashing people. Um, one man was even reportedly stabbed when <gasps> trying to intervene during an assault. Oh. So this guy, he got stabbed by a ghost. Oh, by a ghost. God, by a fake ghost. Well, That's even weirder. Right? Mm-hmm. It was like a, a real ghost that would almost be a cool story or like at least an interesting way to go. This is just Yeah, that's terrible. true. Yeah, this is just horrible people doing horrible things. Yeah. Um, so more specifically on some of these things, um, one man painted a skull and crossbones in the phosphorescent paint on his bare chest, um, along with the word death. Yikes. And then exposed himself to, to young men. Great. Great. Yeah. yeah. So I like almost didn't want to talk about this, but I feel like, it, I mean, it's part of the history of it. It wasn't yeah. all just funny. It was people being awful. So uh, from what I read, these cases, especially like the sexual assault cases, these were the ones where the vigilantes would really put their efforts into trying to catch these ghosts. Makes sense. They're just criminals at that yeah. point. Yeah. So yeah, I was glad to read that they were kind of putting their attention not on the, the pranksters but on the, the people who are actually being volatile mm-hmm. volatile <laughs> volatile <laughs> so one of the most famous stories um, is that of a ghost who would assault young women and oh. also would yeah he would also indecently expose himself and this was in 1904 so this was closer towards the the end of this ghostly trend Oh, man. Um, yeah, and his costume's pretty disturbing, too, if that wasn't already upsetting uh, enough. Yeah, he would wear a, a long overcoat, the standard um, flashing attire. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and he also would put on rubber boots, and he had a cat nine tails. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, which, for those who don't know what a cat nine tail is... Um, it was basically like a an old school whip that people used to use, um, and it had like nine ends on it, hence the Cato nine. Ugh, it's pretty brutal. Um, mm-hmm. But there was this part I think is kind of funny. There was a report of five pounds for information leading to his arrest. 
I guess five pounds is probably a lot in 1904, but it was one of those things where I read it and I was like, five pounds, that's it. And police would, uh, they would wander the street in that area of town where he typically would be um, dressed as women, hoping to bait him into attacking them. Oh, clever. Yeah, I thought so. Um, so this, this man who was this ghostly man was very brazen. Um, he sent a letter to the mayor, which read, dear sir, I see that (laughs) you, (laughs) so polite, you don't start your letters with dear sir. I mean, in my excessive amount of, uh, written correspondence, that was a good way of putting it. Um, so it read, Dear Sir, I see that you and your Bally Counselor's knave fixed a reward for five pounds on my head. You didn't say whether dead or alive. And furthermore, you said you would have me plugged with a lead on sight. To me, that sounds like he's saying you would like him dead. Um, it continues, Mr. Mayor, I give you warning that the first man I see with his hand in his pocket or otherwise looking suspicious, I will plug a bullet through him. <gasps> yeah. That's some, that's some serious shit. Um, he goes on to say, I hope you will caution the breakbite portion of your counsel of mine intentions. Yours truly, the ghost. Oh, God. Um, but my main question after reading this, besides what does half of it mean, was mostly, <laughs> what is a rake bite? Um, <laughs> I didn't understand that sentence and it didn't even like, okay, what's, what is it? So from what I understand, it was a little hard to, to figure this out, but this is what I, what I gathered. Um, I believe that it is referring to the recabites. Um, rake bites might have been like a slang term for it or something. They are clearly linked, but I'm not 100% sure how we got from recabite to rake bite. So there's a group called the recabites. They're not exclusive to Australia, but the Victorian sector was established in 1861. Oh, okay. Um, and what they are, I still didn't answer, um, they appear to have a religious background. Oh. Um, yeah, it's tied into like biblical things. And it's basically the foundation is in total abstinence from drugs and alcohol. So is he just calling them like fun killers? So I think, yeah, because he says, I hope you will caution the rake by a portion of your council of my intentions. I'm assuming that maybe it's like the conservative section. Okay, that would make sense. I mean, sounds like he's threatening anybody who puts their hands in their pockets again, but like... Also, if they like, just so happen to be anti-fun. Yeah, <laughs> if he decides that they're wreck bites, then he probably is extra not sad about it, it sounds like. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Sorry, so, quick question. Did you put on makeup today? Yes, I did. Girl, you glow in. Like, oh, you got that you. dewy look, like, all up and everywhere. And I just keep looking at your all of your highlights as you're, like, moving your face back and forth. I'm like, oh, she dewy. It's half highlights, half sweat. <laughs> oh, it looks good on you, girl. <laughs> Why, thank you. I'll try to sweat just the right amount tomorrow, too. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect amount. Perfect amount of sweaty. Um, <laughs> anyway. So eventually they did um, arrest this guy, the, the ghost. And he was found out to be Herbert Patrick McLennan. Um, he was a highly respected member of the community, very wealthy. Um, he was an elocutionist. And an elocutionist, if you don't know what that means, I sure did not. Um, it's yep. basically like a trained public speaker. Oh. Wow. It's was like a job back it, then? Just like talk in public? Well, he was an elo- elocutionist and a senior clerk. So I think that he like gave speeches, but he like professionally was a senior clerk. So he's like the professional town crier who kept records. <laughs> I guess so. I guess Interesting. so. Interesting. Okay. Elocutionist. Ooh, that sounds fancy. Yeah. Probably because it is. Which I guess, I mean, it, it makes, yeah, it makes sense. Cause like the, the word eloquent. Mm. Elocutionist. 
this. Like, I yeah. see the link. I'm sure it ties back to something Latin, perhaps. So yeah, he turned out to be, you know, kind of an upstanding, respected member of the society. So the community was pretty shocked by this turn of events. Uh, good to know that that standard holds true through the ages. Like that is classically like if you hear of anyone in your community who is an upstanding, outstanding member of the community, guaranteed they some skeletons in their closet. Yes. Be a little cautious. All of his neighbors loved him. And, oh, he was just such a great charismatic guy, but he murdered so many people. I don't believe it. I know. Yeah, watch out for the pillars of your community, guys. Just uh, keep a keep an arm's length distance. Keep an arm's length distance. Keep your doors locked, kids. <laughs> Anyways, turn this off. Go to bed. Um, <laughs> turn this off and go to bed. I'm gonna be a great mom. Um, <laughs> So the police had been suspecting him for a while, as it turns out, but they had waited to charge him until they had enough evidence to like definitely convict him. That sounds good. Um, kind of. Yeah. I mean, better than doing Let's it too soon. I don't know if they had like double jeopardy back then, but. Oh, good point. Yeah. I was going to say like part of it's like, okay, you don't want to leave him out on the streets, but you also don't want to do it so early that he gets released and can't be charged. I don't know. Again, don't know early 20th century laws and honestly they probably weren't that good so <laughs> and it was australia so we really don't know truly know nothing about their law enforcement system yeah just that it's probably um, ours. um he was charged with both the assaulting of women and for the indecent exposure um and he was deemed a rogue and a vagabond oh i love it god stick it to him i want to be a vagabond do you? I mean, no, but like, I just, I don't have a cool adjective. I'm just like, it's <laughs> <laughs> like a cool adjective. I'm just like social awkward. Can't, can't even phrase it. Like I'm just social, I'm social awkward. You know, <laughs> do you feel uncomfortable? Now? The, yes, yes, I do. But of all the social awkward people that I know, you're like the most people just gravitate to you like you're social awkward but people love it oh thank you that's so sweet <laughs> one of the nicest things anyone said to me you can be socially awkward and people might still like you that <sighs> is being a vagabond apparently i mean okay yeah i, I don't want that specific adjective just you just want a cool <laughs> adjective okay yeah cooler than social we'll work awkward. on it <laughs> anyway um so his sentencing the ghost was sentenced to a year of hard labor um mm. yeah after assaulting women just a just a year and get this after appealing and providing an alibi for one of the attacks he was released after just five months however um the judge that gave the original conviction said that he felt like the right call had been made he didn't think that this guy was innocent he thought that he had done these things but after one alibi he was able to appeal and got off after five months oh because i guess i i don't know again if it's the same but like if that's enough like reasonable doubt to be like just kidding me you know although honestly to overturn something i feel like i don't know i don't know still don't know that's that. shitty yeah so the judge basically said like he's he's guilty y'all but mm -hmm. let him off anyway so moving on from this, this dude, like I said earlier, there were various women who were also involved in ghost hoaxing. There was one woman who would dress up as a ghost and steal chickens from her neighbors. Uh, <laughs> They're not going to recognize the chickens are now in her yard. Right? Like, I mean, people must have figured out that it was her when they looked over and like. Unless she's eating them. That's true. Maybe she just went and stole them and then cooked them for dinner. Yeah, like she didn't want to kill her own chickens so she could still have eggs, so she took someone else's. That's possible. It didn't really get into detail on what she did with the chickens, but I know she stole them from her neighbors. Well, I hope they lived, you know, a good chicken life. <laughs> yeah. So our last woman I'm going to talk about, she would hide under a bridge with a scary papier-mâché mask 
and a white sheet soaked in the glowing paint and then jump out at people from under the bridge with this terrifying paper mask. So a troll. Yes, she was a bridge troll. Oh my god, I love it. It seems like the era for it too. I don't know that there's an era for trolls, but... (laughs) (laughs) Every era is an era for trolls, let's be honest. But like, I feel like there was definitely a time in which trolls under bridges were like a thing that people like I don't know knew about expected yeah there's a lot of a lot of lore around trolls previously like yeah under a bridge toll specifically Uh, oh bridge (laughs) I said bridge tolls not trolls is that related bridge toll bridge troll I don't know I hope so it would be kind of, I'll have to look into that. Like if people just started talking about the trolls because they would ask for something so that you could take a walk over the bridge. And that was like a, it's like people who were getting talked out of their money by things that were living under the bridge, AKA just like rascals who were like, this is the only way to cross the river. Better pay me this much or I won't let you pass because I have a sword. You shall not pass. Huh, that's interesting. I had never considered that. I honestly I hadn't until I accidentally just said bridge tolls instead of trolls. And I was like, wait, wait it's practically the same word. I'm just I making think, shit up as we go. But <laughs> I feel like it's probably not linked, but I want it to be desperately. <laughs> um, so our, our bridge troll, she had previously been in, a, in an asylum. This is where the asylums come back in. Um, And she was placed there for going into bars dressed as a man, uh, chatting with men at the bar, and then later revealing herself to be a woman. Oh, wait, Um, they thought she was a ghost at first? Is that, I I, I guess I didn't quite understand that. No, like she she dressed up as a man, like she would. Oh, I was still on the ghost thing. And for some reason, I thought you were like, she went into bars dressed as a ghost and then would tell them she was a woman. And I was like, because they couldn't tell before that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Before she started ghost hoaxing, she was in an asylum. Oh, okay. Okay. I okay. Yeah. She was put in the asylum because she would dress up like a man, go into bars, chat with other dudes, and then reveal herself to be a woman. That's ridiculous that you can be put in an asylum for that. Like maybe right. she just wanted to have a conversation where she didn't get hit on. You must be insane for trying to want to be a man in a patriarchal world. What? Don't understand. Why would you want to be us? <laughs> um, yeah. So the guy who made these research papers that I pulled this information from, he made kind of an interesting psychological observation about this woman. Um saying that she would have been told in the asylum that she was a monster and a deviant um, for dressing up like a man. Deviating from the normal way people expect women to behave in that era, I suppose. Yes, but that doesn't make her a bad person. The the lunatic asylums at that time were, you know, they weren't good places. So they would tell her she was a deviant in the lunatic asylum, um, and by dressing as a ghost when she came out, she was, in a sense, becoming the thing that she was told she was. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, so it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy of her getting, like, treated like shit and told that she was a monster and a terrible person for doing this thing. And then she came out and was like, fine, you want to see a monster? Fill my destiny as a bridge troll. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Such a... Oh, good. Okay, so the public really took it upon themselves to deal with this ghostly influx of pranksters and criminals during this time. Um, And the papers, which reported on it heavily, viewed the vigilante approach as a good antidote for the problem. They reported on the vigilantes in a favorable light. Hmm. Um, Yeah, I feel like sometimes vigilantes, people are like, no, vigilantes are terrible. But at this time, in this historical context, the papers reported on them as, as good things. Hmm. Um, so some people went so far as to actually like shoot at the suspected ghosts. Oh, yikes. Um, yeah. Not a good time to be a prankster. N- no, not a good time to be a prankster. 
Um, people would also beat up ghosts that were found to be assaulting others. Good. Which, kind fair. of. Yeah, mm-hmm. fair. Yeah, fair at least. <laughs> Um, there was one woman who, after finding out that her daughter had been assaulted by a ghost, she took their dog and let the dog just like have at the guy. Wow. But studies of this time showed that a majority of those arrested for ghost hoaxing were charged with just like petty misdemeanor or were considered examples of, of lunacy. Oh, lunacy. <laughs> lunacy. Fun word. Um, so the vast majority of the cases weren't violent. Most of them were just a nuisance. People would, you know, use foul language, make a ruckus. Hooligans. Yes, being general hooligans. Um, And then most individuals that engaged in this sort of nonviolent behavior were discharged, um, fined, or submitted to a lunatic asylum. Wow. Woof. That's a prank gone seriously wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. I just tried to scare my brother and I ended up in a psych ward. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) That's that's awful. That would suck. And that's not even happening to all the people who are like eating Tide Pods today. Like that's fucking insane. Like. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about lunacy. Yeah. More than someone dressing up as a ghost and scaring their brother. But maybe I'm understating what it really was back then. Who knows? Um, but when World War I started, that was when the ghostly activity kind of started to decrease on its own. Um, hmm. The reality of like death and trauma were more of a daily occurrence and it wasn't something yeah. that was like a prank or a joke anymore. Yeah, they're like, no, there's a lot of people truly dying now, so. Yeah, this yeah. isn't cute anymore. A little more insensitive now. Yeah, so it kind of started to die out of its own accord with what was happening. Um, so Dr. Waldron wraps up his paper with some kind of interesting points that I'm going to partially quote, partially paraphrase. Um, if you're interested in more about the things that I've reported on, he's got you know some really great research papers. I highly recommend reading through them if, you, if you're interested. Um, but he basically contributes the popularity of the ghost hoax. It's kind of a weird phenomenon um, to the times. Um, in some ways, he thinks it can be considered a challenge to the intellectual certainty of the non-existence of the spirit world that was coming from kind of like the science side of things. It's, so is, is he trying to say that that like proves that there is no other side? No, he was just saying that it, like, it could have been a reaction of the people because there was a strong side of like science versus spiritualism where some uh, people are reacting in a very specific way to being told that they're wrong gotcha gotcha okay that makes sense especially with all this melding of cultures you were saying that had all different like understandings of the spirit world and so that was kind of his next point was with um the the huge influx of migrants in that time um they may have felt like their culture and folklore was kind of threatened by the growth of scientific rationalism that was growing yeah. in tandem with spiritualism mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that could have also been part of the the influx of the ghost hoaxes was the reaction to that specifically as well. Makes sense. Um, it also provided a space outside of the borders of Victorian morality and respectability, uh, kind of giving people a way to rebel with anonymity. Um, and some just did it for the rush. That was the other <laughs> option. The thrill. The thrill. Um, it also allowed people to kind of break free of the taboos of the time um, with carnivalesque inversions of morals, beliefs, and socially acceptable norms of the time from inversion of traditional gender roles to foul language. um, And even like the more violent acts that we talked about previously, like that it's the more like volatile version of this inversion of morals and beliefs. Oh my god! Oh my god! Sorry, I was really trying to hold on that cough while you were mid sentence, and I just <laughs> there was a tickle in my throat, and I need to cough so bad. It's like don't cut off our sentence. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, but also I, I'm excited to hear that there was some inversion of gender stereotypes back then because it 
doesn't sound like it from the stories, just based on like, you know, a woman who was uh, institutionalized because she tried to dress like a man and be less, you know, feminine in some way. It also gave people kind of a sense of theater. Um, Some people put a lot of effort into their costumes and presentation, um, kind of giving it an interesting insight into how important the sense of transgression was to the hoaxers. They you know they would routinely take risks being arrested or disgraced or um, being confronted by vigilantes, but they put all this effort into creating these like crazy costumes to express themselves. Interesting. Well, sadly, that was, you know, often the death of them if they were using phosphorescent stuff, but still. Yeah, that's a, a real bummer. Yeah. It wasn't intentional. Yeah. At the um, time, they were just having fun. Yeah, well, some of them. <laughs> well, yes, the vast majority uh-huh. were people being nuisances. And finally, it was a way to challenge class, um, challenge enlightenment values and social order, becoming a symbol of death and terrifying people beyond reason. Oh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And my final closing note, um, this was from, again, from Dr. Waldron's research papers from a lecture of the time that I pulled this from, but it was kind of a a nice sentiment to end on. Um, Ghosts were a vestige of the past, which connected us to heritage, trauma, and identity through folklore and storytelling. They are a form of myth-making, which transcends the boundaries of the real and emotionally, perhaps spiritually, connects us to place, community, and identity through the shared connection of traumas of the past. Wow. Well, that was yeah. so interesting. Oh my gosh. I had no idea that that was even a thing. And I truly don't know how you stumbled on that one. Uh, I think it was another one of those like side article of an article I was reading, trying to find something that struck my fancy long enough to hold my attention for 15 minutes. On that note, if you have any fun related stories, feel free to write in. I would love to hear some crazy clown stories because that was no. a thing. <laughs> I hate clowns. If you are one of those clowns, you're the devil. I don't want to hear about it, and I'm sorry. Go ahead and just in the subtitle say for Meredith, and these are go. all for me. Those are all yeah. my stories. I'll read them to her on the podcast. No, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing on this planet I despise more than clowns. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I had a clown for one of my birthday parties, and somewhere between then and now, the love affair is ended. You know, that's not surprising to me. That's or like barely tolerating his ended, I suppose. I I, I can see that. So, uh, follow us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're listening to hear more. Our Instagram is Keep It Curious Podcast, or check out our website at keepitcurious.wixsite.com slash podcast. Wixsite is spelled W-I-X-S-I-T-E. If you like what you hear, leave us a review. Uh, That helps us out a lot. And that's it. (laughs) Okay, y'all. Keep it curious. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.